Funding for Here and Now Anytime comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. Hi, this is Here and Now Anytime, where we give you a little news, a little something you weren't expecting, and always a fresh, in-depth perspective on current events, arts and culture, and stories that matter. Subscribe or follow to get all our episodes out every weekday. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend about us to help spread the word. Now here's the show. No matter what the outcome is, the Sacklers are not going to divide us. We will work together in whatever the next plan is. Yes. We'll be shoulder to shoulder again. We will. Mothers who've lost loved ones to the opioid crisis want their voices heard by the Supreme Court. It's Tuesday, December 26th, Boxing Day, and this is Here and Now, Anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Today on the show, quick advice for some year-end money moves and Tracy Thomas's Books of the Year, as well as some introspection about year-end lists. So when you look at the lists, there are maybe like three or four titles that you see over and over again. She's got some of those too, and some others off the beaten path. But first, the Supreme Court is deciding the fate of a major opioid settlement. And we recently heard from two people affected by the crisis with differing views on what should happen. The court will decide whether the settlement reached with Purdue Pharma over the company's marketing of OxyContin will stand— or be knocked down as called for by the Justice Department. Purdue Pharma declared bankruptcy, and its owners, the wealthy Sackler family, promised to pay a $6 billion settlement after a trial revealed their callous disregard for the impact of their drugs, which have caused more than 650,000 overdose deaths and left millions more suffering addiction. Robin Young picks up the story from here. The bankruptcy shields Purdue Pharma from future lawsuits and allows it to rebuild. But the Sackler family hasn't declared bankruptcy, and they're asking for the same legal protection in exchange for paying out that settlement. The Justice Department sued to stop the settlement and that future immunity. That case is before the court. And families are of different opinions of what should happen, even as they're united as a community. Our next two guests have become close friends. Cheryl Jouer lost two sons to OxyContin. She says she so wanted to bring the Sackler family down, she traveled from Massachusetts to New York to sit on a committee as the settlement was hammered out. She also founded Team Sharing for other parents who've lost children to drugs. She's hoping the Supreme Court will let the settlement stand, even though it grants the Sacklers that future immunity. Cheryl, welcome, and two sons. So sorry. Thank you. Yeah, terrible. Well, retired Philadelphia consultant Cynthia Munger's son became addicted to OxyContin in high school. He's now recovering. Her nephew, though, died of an overdose. Cynthia became practically a legal scholar while doggedly fighting Purdue alongside Cheryl for years, and she's against the settlement now. Cynthia, we also want to say how sorry we are for your family's loss and pain. Thank you. And so, Cheryl, if you could start by telling us about your two sons. So my son had surgery when he was about 15 years old, and he got the pain pills. I knew nothing about addiction. I knew nothing about, you know, what these Oxycontins did. 
as he got older, I thought he was just being a rebellious teenager. And then he tried to explain to me about his addiction, and I wouldn't listen. And and this is the hard part because this is this is what I have to live with, even though I've forgiven myself. I would say to him, just stop. And I didn't raise my kids to be drug addicts, so mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, you're 23 years old, you have a four-month-old baby, you're living off of public housing, like, what did I do wrong here? And so he couldn't come to me and talk to me about his addiction because I wouldn't hear it, because I had no idea. Yeah, and Corey did overdose in 2011 at 23. I woke up every morning and I cried, and I went to sleep every night and I cried until I met a couple other moms that um, found each other on Facebook, and that night changed my whole life because where I thought I was alone, I wasn't. Mm. I created a, a group on Facebook because all the groups that were out there, they had children that were actively using, and ours we had already lost. But mm-hmm. you you were starting this work, and now we hear about Sean, who was your younger son. He got into recovery. This is so uh, lacerating. He was doing well for like five years. And yes. what, what happened? Uh, he relapsed. It's it's the drug. It's the power of the drug. Yeah. He overdoses in 2021, 10 years after yes. Corey. So this is, yes. oh my gosh. In 2018, Attorney General then, Maura Healy, filed a complaint against the Sackler family. This is the now Governor Maura Healy, then Attorney General, who took on the Sackler family. Correct. I saw her on TV filed this complaint against the Sacklers. And I was like, who are the Sacklers? What is OxyContin? And that's where Cynthia and I got together. It was like, oh my gosh. Together, we all formed a rally around Purdue Pharmaceuticals. You guys are guilty and we're going to bring you down. Well, Cynthia, let's bring you in. Your son, thankfully in recovery, what happened to him? My son, simply, he was a baseball player, had a shoulder injury. I had a surgery, got a prescription. I gave him his first pill. And yeah, and my nephew who passed away, uh, he had no health insurance and he had a job and he crushed his hand and he went out on the streets to get pills so that he could stand the pain and he didn't wake up the next morning. So we hear these two, you know, heartbreaking stories, both. And now we come to the question which you and other families have had to take a stand on, which is, what do you want to happen to the settlement and the Sackler family in Purdue Pharma? And uh, Cheryl, I'm going to go back to you. Lost two sons. You've said, I'm no fan of the Sacklers. You also are saying that you think the settlement should go forward. And again, that gives the Sackler family immunity down the road. So why do you want the settlement now? Because... At the end of the day, this was the best deal. The victims are going to be awarded $750 million. That was nothing compared to everything that we were dealing with. Well, not only that, I want to underscore that's $750 million out of $6 billion. So the other, <laughs> there are other claimants. There's the states. There's the towns that are trying to run these recovery programs. There's hospitals. Some of the families, we understand, may get as little as a few thousand or as much as maybe almost 50000 That doesn't seem like enough. It's not. It's not for the families, but you know what? I don't care about that money. I care about saving lives. And that $6 billion, to me, needs to go out to those communities. Every penny has to be used towards abatement. 
to save lives. And they can't be saved if they don't have that money. Let's be clear about that. You worry, it sounds like, as others do, that if this settlement is overturned, it'll take years to get some money into the hands of uh, people who can stop the deaths. Exactly. Okay, so you, Cheryl, stand with, even though you're holding your nose while you're doing it, you stand (laughs) with the settlement now, the immunity that it gives the Sacklers to ensure that at least this money starts coming to people who can use it to save lives. Cynthia, even though, as we said, you you are both united in your love for each other, we can hear clearly. What is your biggest concern with the settlement as it stands? Uh, It was rigged from the start. They declared bankruptcy in a very, what I'm, I'm willing to say, corrupt way. They job shopped the judge. The judge now has a job with Skadden Arps, one of Sackler's law firms. And in a bankruptcy, the judge does not deal with right and wrong at all. So all the terrible things that have been done to us really don't get considered. Legal experts share your opinion that that this is a good hard look at the bankruptcy law that needs to happen, but it's happening on the watch of families like yours that might need some money now, need some help now. And Cheryl's right. We need money for abatement. The problem is the multi-district litigation just put in has just been distributing. It's not working. Okay, multi-district litigation. Uh, This is the huge package of money, $55 billion, from many other different manufacturers of opioid pain meds. And that settlement's already being paid out to claimants. And it's not doing the things it should. There's really no transparency. In other words, some of the money can go for new police cars we've tracked. Some of the money goes for Medicaid assistance. 16 states are reporting nothing. That money's coming into the coffers, and they are not letting us know where it's going. I would not be concerned holding up $6 billion until we figure out how we can get the $55 billion correctly applied. And another thing is, it's a pittance they're offering. It's an insult. So I'm hearing how complicated and netty this is, and I am so sorry. It's not fair. And neither, we're hearing, is the fact that for the settlement, people have to prove that they were on OxyContin. They have to have prescriptions or receipts. Trust me, what happened to most of the kids, their doctors were good doctors. They weren't going to write them anymore. And so they went to the streets. And I can assure you, there's no dealer out there that asks for a prescription before they sell them an OxyContin. And there's no receipt. I mean, I'm fortunate that I can prove that Corey, just by, I found a record that had a prescription on it for OxyContin. So I have the proof. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering too, if in thinking of what to do here, and I, wow, what a decision to, to, for families to make. Just, it seems so unfair. But I'm wondering if you are thinking of your sons as you're trying to navigate this and having lost two, what they would want. I'm not only thinking of them, I'm doing this for them. And I'm doing this for every other addicted child that's out there right now so that no mother has to bury her children. Because if you've never been to a wake or a funeral of a mother that's buried her child once, let alone twice, it's the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching sentence for the rest of their lives. Uh, I'm doing it 
for my loved ones because I don't want to see their constitutional rights stripped by the settlement, which says that they will never, ever be able to exercise a lawsuit against those evil people, the Sacklers. At the end of the day, no matter what the outcome is, the Sacklers are not going to divide us. We will work together in whatever the next plan is. Yes. We'll be shoulder to shoulder again. We will. Yeah. All right. That's Cheryl Jouer. She lost two sons to OxyContin. And Cynthia Munger, her son is recovering from substance abuse disorder. Her nephew died of an OxyContin overdose. I want to thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Coming up next, Robin gets some tips from personal finance expert Jill Schlesinger on a few things to help get your books in order as Q4 comes to a close. You don't need to be like Ned Flanders and send off your tax return New Year's Day, but there are some things you can do to make your life a little easier this time of year. Stick around. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit their website to get a quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. Then, just choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The year is ending. How do we get our financial houses in order? Inflation and interest rates are both finally coming down. If you're lucky enough to be taxed, yeah, because I mean, if you're working or you have some income, how can you make sure you don't over-contribute? What about savings? Again, if you're lucky enough to have like a 401k. Let's close out our books at the end of the year and hopefully get ourselves set for a strong 2024 with Jill Schlesinger, business analyst at CBS News, host of Jill on Money, all-around guru. Hi, Jill. Hello. Start with the good news. You say one benefit to the inflation we've had is that the IRS must increase some of the basic thresholds of the tax code. In other words, you can protect more of your income from being taxed. Yes. And I mean, this is the whole idea around the standard deduction right now. The single person gets a deduction of $13,850, right? If you're married, filing jointly, twenty-seven-seven. Head of households, 20800 All those numbers are going up next year. Mm-hmm. Again, just as you said, because of inflation. It's not like there's anything you need to do about that, except that you should know it. And in fact, that standard deduction is going up to 14600 bucks for an individual. That's a big number. 
also due to inflation. Contribution limits for retirement plans are going up. Mm-hmm. $23,000 if you're an employer-based plan like a 401k or a 403b. And in the annual contribution limit to an IRA is going up to $7,000. So that's a big jump here from 6500 actually. So let's say you haven't done that because you've been cautious and want to have cash on hand. Can you now say, hey, I think it would work out better for me to contribute more. Can you do that now? For any person out there, if you have a retirement plan available to you and there is a matching component, I would actually think about please, please trying to get money into that plan. I know not everybody has the actual amount of money available to do that. That said, remember, when you put money into this retirement plan and it's pre-tax, your taxes are going to be lower for this year. And by the way, I have just a little bonus I want to talk about. If you're thinking about saving and you're like, oh my God, I don't make enough money, there is an incentive to save. This is called a saver's credit. This is unbelievable. If your adjusted gross income is $36,500 or less, or $73,000 if you're married, your retirement contribution might qualify for this saver's credit. It's worth up to $2,000 for individuals, $4,000 for couples. I mean, it's like Uncle Sam is providing a match for you. Can I do one more thing and squeeze it in? Mm -hmm. Required minimum distributions. This is a law that is if you are over the age of 72 and you've got a pre- tax retirement account, you must take a distribution by the calendar year end and pay the tax that's due on that distribution. This is called a required minimum distribution. If you do not take this by year end, you face a 50-50% excise tax on the amount you should have withdrawn. Please take those RMDs. Listen to Jill. There's much more uh, in the article, and it's e- it's easy to take in. Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, host of Jill on Money. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, looking for your next good read or padding out that Goodreads reading goal before the new year. Scott Tong has you covered either way after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Lisa. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. OCI is the platform for database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive at oracle.com slash NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. It is that time of year, the time when those best of lists come out. So our question for you is, what was your favorite book of this year? 
If you're thinking, well, we have somebody you can listen to as you think about it. Tracy Thomas is our book expert. She hosts the podcast, The Stacks, and we have her back. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Scott. So I first want to ask you about these lists that we see, books that you should read on this topic or that category in the newspaper, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post that I get at home. NPR has a list. How do these lists tend to get made? So it really depends on the outlet. A lot of the news sources that you see, they tap all of their book critics and or editors. So I know at the New York Times for their top 10 list, this year's the first year they've done it with the critics and the book review editors. Previously, they had had their list separate. Um, But they all get together, they talk about it, they fight about it, they argue about it, then they vote, Mm. and they keep doing that until they come up with their top 10. So that's sort of how the New York Times does it. But different outlets, they get together, they talk about books, and usually this process starts at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I like how they kind of duke it out. You, You always wonder if there's like an inertia, right? if there is some kind of echo chamber where they're all kind of, all these lists are talking to one another. And it sounds like that's not the case. I think it depends. So I do think because the New York Times and the Washington Post and you know the New Yorker, I think all of these sorts of outlets, they have their own personality, their own readerships, their own okay. people that they're trying to suggest books to. So when you look at the lists, there are maybe like three or four titles that you see over and over again. And then the mm. other titles sort of fit, who do you think a New Yorker reader is? They kind of fit that person versus who do you oh. think a Washington Post reader is? And they're sort of kind of trying to say, these are the 10 best books according to us, that we think you all would like. All right. Well, um, you have come with your list as always, and we always love them. Uh, We're going to put yours as always on hereandnow.org. So let's talk about your list. Uh, Let's go by category. You have a favorite fiction book of the year or two? I do. So my favorite fiction book of the year, and this is one of those books that has been on every single list I have seen. It was a National Book Award finalist. It's called Chain Gang All-Stars. It's by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. I think Mm. I've talked about it here even when it came out back in April. It's a speculative fiction book about prison. And the conceit of the book is that if you are convicted for 25 years or more for a crime, you can opt into Chain Gang All-Stars, which is a reality TV show where people who are convicted of crimes are fighting to the death. If you win, you go to the next round, you keep fighting. If you survive for three years, you earn your freedom. If you lose, you are dead. So it's this sort of near future speculative fiction book, but it is written in a version of America that seems not too far away. And it's so well written. It is so smart. It is so ambitious. And honestly, it's a really good time. For such a dark topic. Wow. Yeah, it is a dark topic, but you mm-hmm. know, it's sort of like the grown-up Hunger Games. That's how I've heard people describe it. Yes, it's dark, but also it's mm-hmm. so well done and so propulsive. You kind of are okay with the darkness. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, our producer, Emiko, ran a couple questions by me. So I thought about my kind of fiction pick for the year. So can I do a short story collection? Because I think that's what sticks out to me. Of course. Um, is uh, Margaret Atwood's short story collection from 2023, Old Babes in the Wood. And I have to say, it's written beautifully. It is several short stories that are episodes from a married couple. And we so often talk about aging, you know, as living with loss. It goes into that, including the wife's loss of her husband. But 
you know, at what's writing for me just carries me along. There's also a separate priceless short story where she interrogates George Orwell through a medium. The back and forth mm. is memorable, remarkable. So, so that's mine. Um, I love that. But let's transition to nonfiction, a big love of yours, Tracy. And you have yes. two you want to mention, I believe, including We Were Once a Family. Yes. my One of my favorite books of the year, We Were Once a Family by Roxana Asgarian. It is the story of the Hart family murders. People will remember them. Uh, that This story from 2018 where two white moms drove their six adopted black children off of a cliff in California. Yeah. Everyone was killed. And that story sort of became sensational in the news. And with this book, yep. Roxana Asgarian revisits the story. She focuses on the children and their birth families. And the book is so beautifully done. There is a tenderness mm. and a care given to the birth families and the children. It is not sensational. It is so well written. You do not want to put it down. It's a difficult read, but because it is handled so beautifully, it's something that you're able to read and understand and it will bring you a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. My second pick is Ordinary Notes by Christina Sharp. She is an academic, an extremely beloved writer, and this book is her notes. She takes a bunch of notes over the course of the year and shares them with us. There's photos in the book, more fleshed out essays. She's talking about grief, her relationship to her mother. She's also talking about blackness, consumption, culture, the way that violence against black people is commodified and sold, whether that's in art or at a museum. Oh. It's just a really beautiful, smart, well-written book. And it's sort of a glimpse into the brain of one of our great American academics. And I simply loved this book. Mm, ordinary Notes. My pick is uh, is a book on China. I, I worked there for several years. It's called Sparks, China's Ooh. Underground Historians in Their Battle for the Future. It's by Ian Johnson, one of the best China writers of our generation, as I see it. I mean, he digs into often regular people in China who, despite a system that we know, you know, seeks to airbrush history, carry out what they consider a responsibility to history, to tell inconvenient mm. stories about COVID, about the Cultural Revolution, about the Great Famine in Chinese history. You know, my grandfather died during the Great Famine, but it's remarkable reporting and writing. So again, that book is Sparks from 2023. Let's go to books for children. You've got one? Yeah, it's called Big by Vashti Harrison. Uh, this is a book about a little black girl who is told that she is too big. So it's about feeling big, being big, being told you're big. More broadly, it's about the adultification of black girls, but it's also mm. just so beautifully drawn and illustrated. The colors, it's a lot of pink. I have two little boys. We love this huh. book. So it's not a book just for girls. And it's a book yeah. about feeling weird in your body, feeling like your body is not okay. And I think that's something that a lot of people go through, whether that's when they're little as kids oh, or yeah. as adults. And I know for me, it really struck a chord as an adult. So this is a book that I think regardless of if you are a child or have a child, you could appreciate the beauty of and also the story inside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Tracy, okay, let's go to poetry. Although you've described yourself as not the biggest poetry fan, you do have a couple favorites on your list, yeah? I do, I do. I want to tell you about this book called Promises of Gold by Jose Olivares. I love this book. He calls it a love letter to the homies. It is a poetry uh. collection that is so accessible. It's a poetry collection for people who love poetry and also for people who are scared of poetry like me. There's a poem about Cheetos. There's a poem about yellow taxi cabs that is this poem about him and his wife that I love so much. 
the thing that's really cool about this book is that if you open it from the front and read it one direction, it's all the poems are in English. If you flip it over and read it from the other side, they're all in Spanish. It's a feel-good poetry collection that will also make you think about place, family, friendships, home, and what it means, you know, to to enjoy being alive when all the other things are going on around you. Yeah. Boy, that's time of year for that, thinking about home and identity. Uh, yeah. Finally, Tracy, just coming back to these year-end lists, mm-hmm. for an author, what does it mean to get on one of these lists? You know, because... You know, authors, I've, I've tried it out once. We're always trying to find a way to get people to know about our book. Yeah, I mean, these lists are really hugely important for authors. Getting on a list like the New York Times 10 Best Books, that's a way for people to find you. A lot of folks don't read 100 books a year. And so they're looking for any help finding the right book. I know because yeah. I'm friends with many booksellers, a book that was on the New York Times list called Northwoods wasn't super popular throughout the year. And now it's flying off the shelves. You can't get it mm. anywhere. So that type of recognition, these lists, they are very meaningful for authors. And I think they're also very meaningful for readers. They're helpful. They're a guide. They're going to introduce you to your new favorite author. Yeah. Tracy Thomas is host of the podcast, The Stacks. We will have her favorite books of the year listed on our website. The whole list is there, hereandnow.org. Tracy, thanks as always. Thank you. That's our show. Here and Now, Anytime comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. Today's stories were produced by Karen miller Medson, Thomas Daniellian, and Emiko Tamagawa. Our editors are Todd Munt, Julia Corcoran, Peter O'Dowd, Michaela Rodriguez, and Kat Welch. Our technical team is Mike Moschetto, Caleb Green, Patrick O'Connor, and Michaela Varela. Theme music by Mike Moschetto, Max Liebman, and me, Chris Bentley. Our digital producers are Allison Hagen and Grace Griffin. And the executive producer of Here and Now is Carleen Watson. Thanks for listening. I'm off till next year. And Shirley Jihad will be back with Here and Now anytime tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching, so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the NPR Wine Club. Get the world of wine delivered to your door. When you join the NPR Wine Club, you'll receive the stories behind every bottle and favorite NPR shows and personalities arriving in liquid form, like Weekend Edition Cabernet and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Zinfandel. The NPR Wine Club is a delicious way to support NPR's programming. If you're 21 or older, uncork a special offer at nprwineclub.org podcast. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little breaks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.